Hello everyone, I'm Marcus Staples, your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is Unpacking the Theology, the show that unpacks the reason behind the rhyme in Christian hip-hop. In part four of our journey to unpack Evangel's album, Expository Journey, we'll be taking a look at the track Catechism. Well, what is a catechism? It's a set of formal questions put as a test. In the scheme of the overall narrative, this is a game show that our main character, Evangel, is probably watching on TV. I don't think he's listening to it on the radio, but I suppose that could be argued. But anyway, before we move on, I just want to say, get comfortable, because this is going to be quite a long episode. Well, longer than our normal, at least. So, this game show that he's watching... It's set up in the format of there is a host, and our host will be asking a set of theological questions to our three contestants. However, the show in itself is more of a metaphor to some common beliefs that people who are Christian, or in some cases people who believe they're Christian but are not, uh, they, they believe. Um, so it's kind of satire in some respects. But it's pivotal to have right Christian belief, right Christian doctrine, right Christian understanding. And while there are some things in Christianity that are considered debatable, uh, there are some core explicit elements of the gospel that have to be interpreted rightly. Because if they're not interpreted rightly, um, it you will not have a correct understanding of what the gospel is and what it was there for. And the end conclusion which you can draw out from these starting point beliefs will lead you in a place that twists and mangles the gospel. In worst case scenario, it can actually lead people to despair and it can actually turn them away from Christianity when they start asking the real hard questions. This track takes a look at a few of these different subjects. So, the first question asked to our first contestant is a true-false question. The statement is, man's innocent before the age of accountability. All the years before this stage, they're found guilty free. Our first contestant answers this true. However, this is wrong. Why is it wrong? Well, the announcer uses a few examples from scripture. And I'm just going to use his because, well, he does a really good job. So, the first scripture is Ezekiel 18.20. He quotes, it says, The soul who sins shall die. So we know that anyone who sins is subject to death. Now, what does this have to do with being sinful from the age of birth to whatever this mystical age of accountability that, by the way, is expressed nowhere in scripture, is? Well, Psalms 58 Verse 3 says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. So, if from the womb we're speaking lies, and lying is a sin, and all who sin shall die, well, then, from the wound, we're subject to death. We're subject to sin. Psalm 51.5 says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So it goes one step further, and it's not even saying from birth that we're sinful, but it's saying from conception, we're sinful. Now, the only thing I will add to that um, is about the announcer's last line, is he says if sin is not hereditary, it would make the Savior very unnecessary. Uh, this is because we're born sinful. 
And if we're not born sinful, then that would mean that we're born in a state where we don't need God at first. And that leads, that can lead to really to two places. One, if we really didn't need God from when we were born, then we would just have to figure out how to stay in that state for the rest of our life, that state of innocence. And if we could achieve that, then we really wouldn't need a savior to begin with. The second is kind of a dark area. And that could lead people in in the most extreme circumstances, mind you, to actually start sacrificing or killing their own children. Because if you want what's best for your child, and what's best for your child is going to heaven, then if they're guaranteed to go to heaven at such a young age, why not do what's best for them? Sure, they won't get to experience life, but they will get to go to heaven, which is way, way better than life. So you see, that conclusion is a, a very dangerous one because it can lead people to do some very dangerous and extreme things. The basic truth is we're born sinful, and only faith in Christ can save us from that sin. Now, on to question number two. What if you never heard the gospel? Would God still send you to hell? Contestant number two, spoiler alert, gets this one wrong. She states that we're all made in God's image and it's mother's nature's job to reveal Christ. Therefore, since life is practice, uh, if we haven't had the chance to hear about Jesus, as long as we live a good moral life, then we'll make it to heaven. Wrong. There are several wrong assumptions here. One, while we're made in God's image, because of sin, that image has been distorted. Number two, because of the fall in Genesis 3, God curses the earth. So while nature does prove God's glory, as seen in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it does not in any way reveal Christ as the Savior from sin. The third wrong assumption is that people can change their hearts for God. The announcer gives many examples from scripture of this. I'll just say this. If, via Romans 3, no one seeks for God, then how can one change their own heart for God? That's not to say that God can't convict someone who's never heard of the name of Jesus of their sins and their need for a Savior. However, since sin is so ingrained in human nature that even without hearing the name of Jesus, our sins count against us. In other words, it would really literally take an act of God for someone who's never actually heard or had the chance to hear the gospel to know and understand the gospel in such a way that would get them to heaven. Otherwise, on their own, men are completely and utterly incapable of doing anything that will merit God's favor. The question to the third contestant was this. We must trust in the cross for salvation, but is our salvation lost without a righteous lifestyle? His answer is, not at all. Works cannot save us. Here's the first correct answer we hear from the contestants. Firstly, we learn in Ephesians 2 that we're justified by grace through faith, not by works. Which could lead to the question, so if our works don't save us, can we just go on sinning as long as we believe in Jesus for forgiveness? By no means, Paul says in Romans 6. He says, how can one who have died to sin still live in it? He goes on to say, we know that our old self, that would be our sinful nature, was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, for one who has died has been set free from sin. This is a good point, because 
The third contestant also states, in light of what we just read, those who trivialize their sin think they're backsliding, but probably never slid forward. This is an important point because Paul says our old nature was crucified with Christ and is dead. So if that old nature is dead, while yes, we're still going to sin, we're not going to let sin reign and rule over us as it did before. So if we're still trivializing our sin, then we probably never slid forward in the first place. Because if we are truly saved, that part of us that trivializes our sin has been crucified with Christ. Now, the last statement, which is somewhat of a rhetorical question that contestant number three asked, is quite possibly the most important to his answer. He says, if we can lose our salvation, then who's doing the saving? Think about that one. Is it God or is it you? Again, I point to Ephesians 2. Go ahead and go read it, and you'll understand the nature of that question. Now, the last question asked to the contestants is a multiple-choice question. It is, who is Jesus? He gives the options A, a good teacher, B, the Messiah, C, the Lamb of God that came to save us from the fire, or D, he was all of these earthly ministries, but also the divine second person of the Trinity. I'll give you a spoiler. All the contestants get it wrong. The correct answer, of course, is D, and the announcer supports it like this. In Matthew 19, we see a curious exchange. I'll read it. And behold, a man came up to him, him is Jesus, saying, Good teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. In this passage, we clearly see that Jesus was a teacher, so we know that is true. But we also see Jesus explicitly say that only one is good. That one would be God yet not denying that he is good. This would make him equal to God. By that reasoning, the second part of answer D is correct, and logic says if part of D and A are correct, then all of them are right. However, if you don't believe me, check out Matthew chapter 16 and John chapter 1 verse 16 to see where the Bible states that B and C are also true. Well, that wraps up this episode of Unpacking the Theology. If you're benefiting from our show, please let us know by sending an email to unpackingthetheology at gmail.com or leaving us a comment on Google Plus or on our website, unpackingthetheology.wordpress.com, where you can also find a link to download Evangel's album, Expository Journey. As always, if you have any songs you would like us to unpack, please drop us a line. We hope you can join us for our next impact. Thank you and God bless. He was killed so we could make up like cosmetics and fulfill prophetics. I'm sorry, you had your chance to agree, but can't you see the correct answer was D.